Hey everyone, Scott here from Wicked Reports, coming to you from the Wicked HQ backyard, freshly manicured. And today's topic is time. How the vexing dimensions of time cause many advertisers to incorrectly allocate their budget and cost themselves thousands of dollars. Well, if they holistically understood the customer journey and how time actually works in buying cycle, they could strategically assess, prioritize, and allocate their money in ways that will make them a lot more money. Because that's the whole point of marketing attribution. Save some money where you're wasting it, spend more where you're killing it, chill out when you need to chill out, and wait until it's time to strike. And so that's what I want to cover unsexy but highly strategic idea of gathering the right data so you can strike and crush the competition on the top of the funnel. When I first get into marketing attribution, I didn't realize how much time really screws with the accuracy and actionability of the data. And it's not that it's an insurmountable task. I mean, here at Wicked Reports, we solved it. So ideally, others will also. But it it was really shocking how people would start running campaigns if they weren't making money as soon as humanly possible, they would stop them. That's so logical too. I get it. (laughs) I still run through the same stress on our campaign sometimes, although I don't stress about it now. I still, it's still a human reaction to marketing data. You want to make money. You don't like just spending it and not seeing it come back with friends as well, with ROI positive friends. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, marketing training around how to upsell and downsell your customers or otherwise free plus shipping, all kinds of shenanigans, which can be very profitable. But there's all kinds of effort into trying to make sure that you're never running at a loss on day zero. And so for that type of training, you know, there's all sorts of people you can look to who have very good training on it. Todd Brown, Ryan Levesque the old um, digital marketer stuff, all solid. And if it works for you, great. What we're finding, you know, we've been tracking for a long time now. Now we're up to about 8 billion in transactions, mostly e-commerce that we've tracked. Over 3 billion in ad spend. So that's a lot of trends. The markets move and change over time. And those profitable on day zero campaigns don't always work. Or sometimes they might work for your business, but attract the wrong customers, the low LTV customers. Or if you're pure e-com, maybe you got to run at a loss initially. And so you can get a real edge if you approach your top of the funnel with the right structure and foundation based on data as evidence of when and how to act on top of the funnel campaigns. So there's a couple things in particular to look at. The first thing we want to look at is how long do leads normally take to buy across everything you've ever done, paying no mind to what you might have done. 
because we want to get just a raw baseline, a benchmark, if you will, because without a a benchmark and a framework to attack it, you're just kind of reacting to data. You'll see a number and just an emotion will fire and you'll just react to it. But if you have a baseline, at least you have a, a, you know, a structure you're going in with that you can compare against. And so what we do at Wicked Reports, I mean, it's a report that runs automatically once all the data flies in, is we look at anyone that didn't buy on day zero, but eventually bought, how long on average does it take for them to buy? And we look across every lead you have against every sale you have, every first-time purchase. So, so for example, a common stack for us is Clavio or um, Active Campaign or HubSpot for leads, maybe Infusionsoft, MailChimp. And then sales and Shopify or Woo. And we cross-reference all that to say, hey, how long does it generally take people to make their first purchase if they don't buy on day zero? Because the day zero buyers, uh, it, it's just what we're seeing when people contemplate and take time, what do they take? And what we're trying to look at is how long until at least half of the non-zero day buyers have bought and how long until two-thirds of them have bought. Because we want to get a framework of time of how long your customer journey you know, and all the automations and abandoned cart follow-ups and discounts and you know, all the sh- marketing shenanigans that you're running. We do them too. Like you got to do it, right? All that stuff you're doing, how long does it take until it actually works? And I like to use two-thirds of your buyers. When two-thirds of your buyers have bought, that's an acceptable time frame of you should be in the... Par- if you're not making money by then, that's when you need to start to look at, can I still spend? That That's a, a spot where you've really you've really tried with that campaign. You've given it some room to, to, to work, to achieve. And so let's use a, an example. You know, we have an e-commerce company of ours. One of them is uh, the average time is eight to 14 days is the time frame. So the one to two week window. So let's use 14 days is when it takes. By then, two thirds of the buyers, the leads have converted to buyers. So if you're running a paid campaign and you got leads coming in on day one, well, on average in your past, it's taken two weeks to close them. So it's tough for you to expect day zero ROI positive when it generally takes you two weeks. Now, we've omitted day zero buyers from that analysis. So, you know, some of them might have, sn- some hopefully are buying because they just are astounded with your offer. But some of them are going to take the two weeks of time that it on average takes to close. So, given that the day one leads are going to take 14 days to close, and you want to give a fair shot at the campaign, and it takes two weeks for people to buy, you need two weeks of acquired leads to then run through the two weeks of your marketing to determine if the campaign's any good or not at getting new leads that become customers. So you need a month. And most people, two days, three days, they they cut it. Now, there's other non-attribution stats such as reach and frequency and, you know, conversion rate optimization that you could run that could determine that you want to stop the campaign. But for the purposes of customer lifetime value, converting leads to buyers and ROI, marketing attribution, that's where we come into play. And 
if your leads, non-zero day leads take two weeks to buy, then you need to wait a month. You need to wait a month before you confidently can say whether that funnel is working or not. That traffic source is getting you leads that become buyers. So that's the first step. How long do they take? I call that top of the funnel campaign measurement period. And it's just based on how long it normally takes, double it. And that's when you know for sure, hey, enough people should have bought that I should be excited about this. I should be ROI positive. Now, the second factor that comes into play is customer lifetime value. This can be determined using what's called a new lead cohort report. A cohort being a group of people that have something in common. In this case, the something in common is that they became a new lead in your e-commerce store. So we look at all the people that become leads in a given month and how much they cost to become leads. And then each month, we look at how much revenue those leads have spent with you. And ideally, you reach break-even as soon as possible. But also, how long until they've doubled or tripled in value? Or sometimes that never happens. And, and the faster you can get them to double or triple, then you have some framework for how long it's going to take now that they've bought, how long until they're worth double what they bought. So you can have some framework when you're looking at your ad spend versus your revenue and your ROI. Hey, if I stop spending right now, when would my investment double? When would the revenue double on what I'm looking at? Because then you can get this compound lifetime value effect as each cohort, each month of leads you've bought stacks up in value and is doubling or tripling over time. Suddenly you got this wave that starts happening where you're you're making a lot of money off paid. But if you're just constantly looking at you know a couple days and panicking and just you know running around whipsaw, not looking at this you know strategic 90-day plan, then you're never going to get there. And so this is where data can play a, a big factor. So that's a big, the second thing is how long does it take the leads to reach break even based on what they cost and how long to double? And so in some cases you'll find based on the goals of your marketing, the, quali- the quality of your targeting and the quality of the offer, what type of leads it attracts. We have wildly different fluctuations in how fast to break even and how fast to double. And so that's the second form of analysis we go through. Hey, how, how long till we can make some money here? It's <laughs> the whole point of it. So then the third one is to measure, now that, we, now that we have the expectation of, okay, in this example, using Get Main Lobster's e-com data, with a new lead cohort, we would see he can usually get 50% lead increase in about 60 days. And the doubling can take like four to six months depending on the month. See, there's some months where he gets like 7,000 leads, but they're super high quality leads, valuable, and they, they spend more. And then sometimes where they get tons of cheap leads, 50, 60, 70,000 leads, and they're not that good. They, we're still waiting for them to double. They may never. So the lead quality really shines through on a lead cohort report because it's all about how much money have they spent. Enough of the conversation of the debating of what you did or didn't do. Did they spend money after they became a lead? Because that's what you need, not anything else. So once we have established that they're gonna, a lead's going to take 
how long they're going to take to buy and how long they're going to take to be profitable. Then we can go analyze them using attribution once that time has passed. So if you come in and you, and you were to start tracking in this example, 28 days from your first leads tracked, you'd be able to go in and use an attribution model called new lead ROI that's specifically designed to track the profitability of new leads using the lifetime value against the ad spent. And then you're using the right attribution model for the right part of the funnel on the campaigns where your intent was to find new leads. So then it all comes together. You've waited enough time. You've let the lifetime value accrue. Now you've picked the attribution model, new leads, which is measuring what made them become a new lead. And then you see ROI based on real lifetime value against real ad spent. That for me, that's one of the reasons we, we do the work we do. When all that comes together, all that foundation work, then you can start making some decisions. So that, I know there's always a rush when you, you, you a lot of work to maybe wire up data, maybe not depending on your stack, but you need to have the right timeframes being used based on the facts in your business. It's basically, it's not based on any dogma I have. It's the facts of how your customers have behaved. That's the reality. We might as well deal with the reality. Life's too short to deal with BS in my opinion. So once we have this data in place and we waited the time and we're using the right attribution model, then it becomes, what do I do with the data? And so looking at a top of the funnel lead gen campaign, if your ROI is acceptable or better than average, then you want to spend more. Now, spending more can happen in a number of ways. If it's a Google campaign and you have a target ROAS or a target goal, some sort of smart bid, you, if your ROI is, is through the roof, the way to increase there, because oftentimes you'll be like, I want to spend more and it's not spending. You have to lower your threshold, lower your smart bid setting. If your target ROAS is 300%, and Wicked shows, well, on new leads, you're actually making 2,000%. Let's take how to maximize your top of the funnel Google campaigns. You have an acceptable ROI after you've gone through these waiting period and you've got this customer lifetime value analyzed. And now we've used the right attribution model. And therefore, we're able to go in and use Wicked Reports, choose new lead ROI or however you're going to do this and see that, yes, I'm making a lot of money here. The example I'll use, we have uh, someone selling exercise equipment. They're using a Google Shopping campaign. Top of the funnel, we showed they were making 1,900%. Google, their target ROAS setting was 300%. Again, the power of lifetime value. And so I was like, wow, spend more. Well, when they go to spend more, Google couldn't spend more because the Google algorithm was cherry picking the best possible people based on the target ROAS set. So if you set a real high ROAS, well, Google's only going to show it trying to hit that ROAS. So they got to use all their signals to make sure it's most likely going to happen if your ad gets served in front of the people most likely to hit the ROAS. So when you, which makes sense, that's how you're going to hit it. 
So if we can show we are actually making a 9x what you, or excuse me, 6x what you want to Google to make, once we take this time element into account, this is where you can make some real money. So the first advice is to double your budget when you're making an astronomical amount of ROI because that means you're leaving money on the table. You want to get more throughput, which is more revenue. When that won't happen, such as in Google because of the ROAS um, pickiness that you've set, you should lower your ROAS setting. So in this case, this person was 300% ROAS setting, but they were making 1,900%. So it's okay to lower it to maybe 200% because Google's not going to say, oh, you only need to make 200. I can show this ad to these other people over here now. And then you have to wait and measure it for the same amount of time as you gave this particular campaign and then see if your ROI is still high enough, then you can tweak it again and keep lowering, lowering your standards. Same with Target CPA, same with any type of smart bid with Google. That's how you get more through. A lot of times, can't seem to spend my budget. Well, it's because the algorithm is trying to hit your standards. And so you have to lower your standards to get more action. Kind of like if you're at, kind of like if you're at the bar and it's late night. <laughs> it's very similar. So if you're on Facebook and you're looking to, uh, another way to optimize, let's take Facebook in this scenario. If your ROI is really high in Wicked Reports, once you've gone through these cycles, one way to optimize is to optimize at the ad set level. Drill into the campaign and see which ad sets are bringing the sky-high ROI. Because if you're targeting eight or 10 different ad sets, it's likely some of them are returning much higher ROI than others. And you can stop the spend on the ad sets that aren't bringing the high-quality leads and up the spend on the ad sets that are if that campaign's intent was to get leads. And so you can restrict your email list to make sure you're not sending it to people that are already leads. That's a common thing that you should do because if you're trying to attract new leads, you shouldn't have your leads being targeted. Um, you'd be amazed how many times that uh, is not what occurs. Another way to scale is you want to look and see what are the very best emails from a last click perspective that are closing sales and then make sure all your leads are getting those emails. That, that's a slam dunk as well because you know all of us marketers, us included, we're right thinking new things, smarter things, we hope, usually, hopefully. <laughs> go in the data, go in the last click email data, what's driving sales, what's driving clicks, ideally both. Send those to the leads that haven't bought yet. Send those to all new leads. If it's a time-sensitive offer that doesn't make sense, use it as inspiration. T clone it and then tweak it to whatever the heck you're going to talk about this week. I don't know. Halloween's coming up here. Talk about Halloween. Maybe election day, maybe not. I don't know if that's going to be a good topic here. Uh, Thanksgiving. You could take the same converting emails and make sure they're sent to the leads because it may be they're good leads. They just have been sent crap since they've got on your list or not enough quality things. That's another slam dunk optimization that works well. So in conclusion, we want to look at time it takes leads to buy, how much value those leads accrue over time. And then with that frame of mind and those benchmarks in place, evaluate your top of the funnel lead gen campaigns using those time benchmarks. 
And then also that compound of lifetime value that can occur as the leads progress through time, can up your ROI, and then you can scale in some of the ways I mentioned and kill the things that aren't working at top of the funnel. No longer show them to cold traffic. I hope this has been helpful and profitable. Thanks for listening to this episode of e-commerce insights. I'm your host, Scott DeGrossier. Have a great week. 